Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Eric, a good friend of mine, and our topic is suicide. I don't want to live anymore. And I know for our audience, some of uh, you are in that place, that feeling, that, that feeling of loneliness, darkness, um, just uh, away from everybody else. So this is an important topic. I know it's a topic that very few people discuss. That's why we bring it up on the show, Broken Catholic. So uh, I'd like to welcome Eric. Elk, Eric, welcome to the show, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's get down to business. Uh, why do you think the world isn't working right now, Eric? Uh, I, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, I think as a whole, the world has placed their hope in the wrong things, uh, the wrong things specifically. Could you expand on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think as we go through our day to day, it's easy for us to focus on what we can see. So uh, I go to work, it's busy, I have problems at work, and that becomes my focus. I go home, I see my family, even positively, I love my family, and that becomes my focus. But uh, the reality compared to uh, what we should be focused on is this world is broken. And if we place our focus on something that's broken versus something that's eternal and perfect, um, then we ourselves become more and more broken versus being transformed to be more like God and Christ himself. Whoa. Okay. You just took us deep right there, which is awesome. That's exactly what the show is about. So, you know, let's talk about that. Um, because you brought up some very human things, right? It's like coming home to your family, right? Your wife and kids, that's a good thing, right? However, you just kind of said, hey, sometimes that could be the wrong focus, you know? So where does that show up for you personally? Like any, any specific examples where maybe you took that good and maybe you turned it into something where it was the wrong focus and took your eyes off of God, like you said? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. I um. I think, and I'm choosing my words carefully right now just to make sure that, that what I want to communicate comes across clearly. Um, I think uh, Ecclesiastes um, says it best, um, if, if anybody's ever read it, and it's something that I know that I can read or can be read um, at, at face value, um, and it sounds so depressing, um, where through Ecclesiastes, it continues to say how meaningless this life is. Mm. Um, and, and at face value, um, that's pretty depressing to keep hearing how meaningless this life is. Can be. Uh, but I, I think really what the author uh, of Ecclesiastes is, is saying and the point that he's trying to make is that everything that we see, feel, and touch here in this life, um, to some extent and to a greater extent, is actually meaningless. Uh, so when you look at even the positive things, now I, let me start by saying I love my wife, I love my kids. Um, so it, it's not to discount the relationships that, that we establish and build here on earth, um, and even the eternal weight those relationships can carry. But if our sole focus becomes on uh, pleasing our spouses, if our sole focus becomes on uh, raising our kids and keeping our kids happy and safe, if our sole focus becomes on a successful career, successful job, then we've lost focus on the fact that this life and this earth is not our home. And there is something greater than even our spouses and our kids, our successes at work. Uh, so even though they may seem like good things, and they are, uh, they're intended to be good and they're given to us as blessings, if they alone become our focus, then we still miss the point. Was there ever a time in your life where you didn't have that upward bend looking at God and, and eternity and you were caught up in the everyday just human function right of living life I have a family I want to create a good life for my family I want to provide I want to have a good life and really nothing more than that 
Um, I think my story as it relates to this goes a little bit further back than that. So, um, and, and not to dodge the question, to, to answer it more specifically, but then maybe peel back the layer a little bit. Um, when my wife and I met and as we uh, dated and were engaged and were married and we started to have kids, um, there's definitely been a transformation of both myself and my wife. Um, but the layer that, that peels back beyond all that um, in terms of hopelessness, I think that's really the deeper conversation here in terms of hopelessness. Um, that actually goes all the way back to when I was probably 13 years old. Um, and so really what we're talking about is a matter of whether we're focused on the eternal or whether we're focused on the temporal, the things here on earth. Um, and, and, you know, some people listening right now are, are going to be able to maybe relate a little bit more to, to my story. And I do want to clarify to my story. So as we continue to have this conversation, there may be things that I say that don't resonate. And there may also be things that I say um, that if, if they don't seem to apply, don't try to apply them to your own life. Um, but So in other words, don't force it into your life if it it's, doesn't resonate. Period. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, I think really, um, you know, at the age of 13, um, I, you know, I'm a pretty deep thinker. And I don't, I don't say that as a, um, uh, as a matter of arrogance. It's, it's actually just saying, just the way I process, the way I think. I think about the why very, uh, very in depth, um, even from an eternal standpoint. And so at 13 years old, to think about that question, but to not have, um, have the right hope um, and the right faith that that question leads to as Ecclesiastes uh, it, it says uh, meaninglessness uh, it's a realization that there really is nothing here on earth that will ever please us hmm. yeah uh, and the one that pops up to me is vanity vanity all is vanity right it's mm-hmm. like it, it's very easy to cross that thin line of well what's the point mm-hmm. why should I even care Right. And, and let's kind of take that deep dive right into our topic today, suicide. Right. Because, you know, I had um, an experience here at work uh, where one of our clients, a 23 year old young guy, um, he came in just really heavy um, and I could just see his countenance was just heavy one day. And normally he's lighthearted. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? Right. All uh, positive guy. And that day he wasn't. And I was like, hey, you're right. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I just saw him get all choked up in the in his eyes and stuff. I said, would you like to talk about it? And he goes, yeah, I would. So I was like, all right. So we went to the other room and I said, what's going on? And he goes, my good friend, my best friend, I see him every day for years now. Uh, he put a note up on Facebook, a suicide note last night, just saying he doesn't want to live anymore. And... We all scrambled and called him and tried to track him down, literally like 50 or 60 of us friends. And where are you, you know, and let us come help you. And there was nothing and we couldn't find him. And he said this morning, um, the cops uh, came to our door and they said we found his body. Hmm. And I said, brother, that sucks. You know, what shows up for you in this? And he goes, I'm angry. I'm so angry right now. And I said, why? And he goes, because I had no idea. He was one of the most positive, outgoing, motivational. All of his Facebook was these quotes of like hustle and entrepreneurship. And we got one life. Let's do this. And, and he goes, I was his best friend. I saw him every day. And I had no idea he was wrestling with anything. And for him to not let me in, to let any of us in, to uh, help in any way and for him to just end it like that and leave us all behind in wreckage like this. He said, it's one of the most selfish things I've ever seen anyone do. And I was like, whoa. And I get that. I get where he's coming from. He's like left hanging. What shows up here in that, Eric? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the, the first thing that, that comes to mind as you're sharing that story and that that should go without saying but to say it is tragic is the question of what what am I but what are we actually living for 
Um, and, and that question can have several different answers depending on where a person's at in their belief system and their faith. Um, but what a person's living for uh, holds significant weight in terms of a reason to live. Um, now there is uh, such a thing as, as mental illness. There is such a thing um, as bipolar disorder. Um, there's depression. I mean, I, all those types of things that I'm not even qualified to even try to talk about, but those, those are real. So I, I don't want to discount any of that. Um, but what I also want to recognize is that if, if in our own minds we haven't even established what it is that is worth living for, um, it's, it's easy for us to lose sight as to the reason to live. Um, let's just say that I'm living for my family. I love my wife and I love my kids. Um, and let's just say, tragically, um, they're in a car wreck today. Yeah. And they all die. Yeah. And they were my reason to live. Mm. What does that leave me with? Nothing. Right. Uh, I mean, and, and let's just say, um, let's just say I have a successful career and, and let's take it a step further. What if that successful career is in the, the nonprofit world and it's providing meals or it's providing shelter for battered women or it's providing um, some type of altruistic uh benefit for society and the whole thing falls apart and that's what I was living for then what's left for me again nothing and and what if um you know what if I'm part of ministry whether it be clergy or or, or whatever it may be um and yet I've created an idol out of the ministry itself and what if that ministry what if that church falls apart and that's what I was living for what am I left with and those three examples you just brought up are so real right that happens every day to many people across the planet right and I, I think we've spoken on previous episodes about how especially as men we place our identity in our occupation and when our occupation changes or falls apart we're left with who am I yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and so I think as we ask that question, what am I living for? Um, what really needs to start to come to mind, at least it does for me, is a focus on the eternal. Uh, and, and it doesn't need to get really deep and really spiritual um, at its onset, but it's really asking ourselves a question of, of what's after this life and how much should my focus be on that compared to uh, what I'm focused on here and now. Uh, another way that I, I think is important to look at that is we all recognize we're going to die, whether we're uh, whether we are an atheist, whether um, whether we're uh, Muslim, whether we're Catholic, uh, whatever that faith um, or we would say lack of faith, but whatever your truth is, we all recognize that we're going to die, and so we spend so much time trying to ignore the very fact that we're going to die and for those of us that are of the Christian faith that there is something after that so why not focus more on what's to come versus what's here and now well I'll tell you why because it's not tangible it's not in my face and what's in my face is my family my job but you know different temptations success my drive all those things my bills that's what's in my face right so we're human, and that's where our humanity shows up. So how do we see something that we know conceptually, eternity, death, it's coming, but it doesn't seem real right now? I think that's the... Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I think that that's actually the very point and focus to developing our faith. You know, faith is... Um, believing in the unknown and what we can't see. And so uh, it's very easy for me to believe in what I have, uh, at least what I believe I have control of today, and to put my focus there. It's harder for me uh, to put my focus and my energy into what I can't see. So those are kind of the obvious points right there. Um, But what I think we need to recognize is this life here on earth 
uh, it does hold some value. And, and one of the things that we need to recognize in that is that, that God is shaping us um, and he's, he's shaping us and transforming us as we go through this life uh, in preparation for the next. So we are being transformed. So I think that the easiest way I can say, for me at least, to try to focus on the eternal in context of here on earth and, and today is to recognize that today God is shaping me through very tangible, you use the word tangible, through very tangible events through my day to day. And he's asking me to, to respond to him in those for eternal benefit. Okay. So I'm going to take this uh, conversation a little backwards, right? Because um, I had mentioned that story mm-hmm. of that young man. He was also 23 years old who uh, took his life. This was only a few months ago. Um, and I had spoke to my client here and I said, uh, do you still have his suicide note that he posted on Facebook? And he said, yes. And I said, may I share that with my audience? And he said, Absolutely. Um, so I'd like, with his permission, to share uh, what this young man wrote as his final words. Okay, because I think this will get us into the headspace that he was in for just a minute. And then let's kind of discuss that because I think a lot of young people right now that are listening to the show can resonate with uh, this young man here. Okay, so he entitles his last post in this world The Final Words. Then he puts in a quote, don't be afraid to let the sun on your skin. It's a mirrified glory. And if you really choose to, you will catch the rainbow by Jordan Walker. And he writes, I have lived an epic life. I've been to amazing places and met amazing people. In almost 24 years on this earth experience, I've done and experienced more than many people will in their entire life. I've done my best to help anyone I could, moving forward each day in love and compassion. After all this, all the hurdles, triumphs, and failures, from addict parents cracked out and prostituting to growing up in the hood, having no family to fall back on, getting molested, foreclosed house at 16 years old, etc., to traveling to all 50 states, playing music and in, with incredible musicians and realizing many dreams. I've come to the conclusion that the bad outweighs the good. I'm done with the struggles. This world is engineered to force you to be engaged with the nonsense, the social medias, cell phone vortex, lack of love, passion, compassion. Let my people go. Gosh darn it. Freedom seemingly never attained as only the idea lives on. In staying true to my truest self, I can't partake in this whack-ass system of a world anymore. Words cannot express the amount of love that I have for each and every one of y'all. Shine on and stay blessed. Always in your corner. Forever here in spirit. Over and out. Adam. Now, reading that for me it starts off with this positive I love life doesn't sound like a suicide note at all then it goes into here's what I've been through here's where I started and then it goes into here's my conclusion or summary of life it's all a bunch of crap and it's a system engineered against me and against love and against compassion And I've tried my best and I'm tired of the struggle and I'm out. And I love y'all, but I'm leaving y'all. Peace. Now, I'm not saying this with any judgment. I'm just saying that's how it shows up for me. How does it show up for you, Eric? I think one of the things I want to be careful of is not to give um, and to use it. It's going to sound heavy and it might sound cold, but not to give sin a platform. And so... Uh, what I mean specifically about that is um, I'm comfortable having conversations around uh, this, this particular letter, uh, but what I want to make sure is to focus, um, focus on what should be focused on. So uh, all that to say, uh, I, I think we recognize that 
going back to the initial conversation we started having that this world is broken um and and so i i think again i I point back to ecclesiastes because it's it's actually the same it's the same message um and i think that's kind of the most interesting part of this is that um obviously the 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 language and the reference to social media doesn't show up thousands of years ago in 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 uh holy scripture but the same message actually rings true is that there's nothing in this life um, of value to me, that there's nothing that this world has to offer me, uh, and it's a broken world, and it's against me. Um, that's all true, actually. Uh, this is a broken world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what shows up to me is, is the truth of what we live in, uh, but then what's, what's also showing up to me is um, is looking at this world as all that there is. Uh, I think we need to recognize uh, that this world is not our home, and we are here for a very short time. So this world is not our final destination. It is not, and and I can't I can't fathom. I really can't fathom some of the things that people go through here. In this world, um, you know, I read, I read articles of of uh, persecution around the world, of children um, that are that are in massive groups stolen from families and I, these atrocities. I just genocides. I, I read of these things and I see them in the news and I can't imagine them. Um, so I, I say that because even as I say, hey, this world is not my home, I also recognize that I'm not going through the type of torture that some people are going through. And that, that same torture halfway across the world is what some people feel as they sit here in the United States, like the author of that letter felt, um, of hopelessness. But what I have to do is rely on what I believe to be truth. And what I believe to be truth is that um, there is something after this life. What I believe to be truth is that uh, while we're here on earth, we're to turn our attention to God above all else, that we're to love him with all of our heart and all of our mind, and that we're to love other people. And I have to believe that if we focus on the things of this world that God would have us focus on, that we have one thing as as Christians that the rest of the world doesn't have. What's that? Hope. And when we don't have hope, we're left with this. Yeah. Right? And, and when we don't have hope, we no longer agree with God, and we're left with this. Yeah, which is nothing. Um, hopelessness and... Uh, a sense of non-belonging, a sense of I'm alone, a sense of what's the point, and giving up, just quitting on life, quitting on family, quitting on friends, and hoping, maybe, and I don't know where this young man was in his faith journey, um, other than he ended uh, his journey before um, it was intended to, right? He took control and said, I don't care where God's leading me. Um, maybe I don't see God right now. And in one dark moment in, of hopelessness, uh, he ended everything before it could get better for him. And, you know, uh, another thing that shows up for me, Eric, in this uh, letter that he wrote is the pain and the suffering that he went through personally um, in his childhood as he speaks about, you know, he grew up with, addict parents who were cracked out right on drugs and and they were out prostituting uh could you imagine growing up in that environment and what how the world looks to you as a little boy um when all you see is that pain that hurt that and then being molested um just no one should have to go through this yet you know they say right now uh one in Uh, Five young boys are molested at a very early age, uh, physically, and one in three young girls. And when you hear those numbers, um, it's horrifying, right? And 
I, I can't, I cannot relate to anyone who is listening right now that has gone through that yourself. Um, I was fortunate enough to have been protected from that uh, in my childhood, and I don't think anyone should have to go through that. However, if you have, the temptation will be to despair, to have hopelessness like this young man, and to end uh, the journey that God has for you uh, way before um, you get to where he's leading you, which is a place of hope, a place of love, a place of compassion, uh, as this young man said. And I just urge, urge you, let it keep going and look up to heaven. You know, they say uh, most of the problems in our life occur when we're looking horizontal instead of vertical. And uh, I would just challenge you, look vertical, look up, whether you believe in God or you don't. One thing I've said to a close friend of mine who did not believe in God, and I said, do you want to? Do you want to believe that there's a God? And she said, well, of course I do. Why wouldn't I? I mean, it sounds the world without this, you know, type of God or everything is meaningless. We're all an accident. This whole beautiful world is an accident. She's like, that's not a pretty thought that I'm going to end up in a pile of dirt and that's my existence. That's, that's not something I want to think about. I want to think about the rainbow and the sunshine and there's a God and there's a creator and my life has a purpose and I have a dad in heaven who's calling me home. Yeah. I want to believe all that. I just can't. So why not? Because, well, it doesn't match up with my analytical brain. I need reasons behind it. I need kind of science behind that. And I said, listen, Just look up to heaven one day in your quiet time and say, God, if you exist, show me you exist. I want to believe. And if you do that, he'll start showing up in your life in a very real and tangible way. And she's done that. And since then, she has become a believer. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So I just challenge you out there. um, If that's where you're at, take a shot. Take a shot. Because the alternative of not believing or not having faith, as Eric says is a very dismal existence you know if you don't have that uh thing to look forward to as human beings if we're not headed somewhere um life just shows up very ugly and very painful and that doesn't mean you're going to have a life without pain or struggles you'll have them but you'll have hope and that gives you the why that gives you the reason to keep going eric what's showing up for you in this yeah i think some of the things that are running through my mind right now um, really tied to so so what is the point so if um, if this life is meaningless in and of itself um, then what's the point I think the first thing is to recognize um, what the purpose of life is uh, and I think if you ask 10 people what the purpose of life is, you, you're probably going to get 10 different answers unless you ask all 10 people that are part of one close-knit group. <laughs> but, but the reality is, what's, what's the purpose of this life? Um, and, and I think that that's what uh, people that, that are wrestling with or contemplating suicide are asking themselves that question um, and, and, and I'll make it real, um, and, and the reason why this topic is really so close to me is that, that I've, I've wrestled with this myself when I was younger. Um, I've, I've laid on a stretcher after a suicide attempt myself after an overdose. Um, I've been hospitalized for months at a time while I contemplated and wrestled with what's the point of life. And, and at that point in my life, going back to when I was 13 years old, um, I didn't have the hope that we've talked about now for off and on for the last 45 minutes. And so I can't necessarily relate to what each person goes through that brings them to that point. But what I can relate to for anybody that's contemplating suicide is hopelessness. Um, and with that is having to come to a point or conclusion of what is the purpose of being here on earth? And I can tell you that if, if you don't have a faith-based response to that, it won't stand if you continue to contemplate that question. Now, I'll give you the short answer for me is 
I'm here and we're here to glorify God. And, and that might sound kind of churchy, glorify God. Uh, but I'm here and we're here because God has a very specific plan and purpose for each one of us while we're here on earth. And, and what happens, I think, with a lot of us is that almost sounds discouraging at first because we're thinking to ourselves, no, I, I'm here because of what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. Um, that's called pride. Um, we all have it. It's okay. Even as I say it right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a second. But no, it's, it's part of who we are as human beings. Um, we need to recognize that. We need to recognize the pride that's inside of us that we want specific things. Or uh, for those who are contemplating suicide, the very thought to not want to live anymore, you're saying to yourself, and I said to myself, that's why I, I, I'm even saying it now, I said to myself that, that my desire not to live, that my desire not to live is actually more important than the desire God has and the purpose that God has for me here on earth. It's pride. And it's more important than uh, the people around me's desire that I live, right? They love me. They care about me, right? And, I, and I'm putting my will to end it over them and over God's plan. Definitely. Let's continue. Definitely. Yeah, so I, I think that as simple as that sounds right now, um, for anybody that's, that's never really had to go down this train of thought or, or really... Um, I would say suffered from this 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 type of thinking. Um, this this might all sound like crazy talk for anybody that um, is there right now, has been there before. Um, there there needs to be a recognition, and, and hopefully you've already come to that point, and you can you can more relate to uh, the hope that you have now versus the the actual despair. Um, but to step back. What has to take place can only take place by an act of God. Meaning, once we place our, our hope in something that goes beyond this life, we allow God to start working in us and through us in ways that only He can do. So we have to place our hope in something bigger than us. Exactly. Because we don't have enough. Exactly. We don't have what it takes, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and through that, we start to recognize, as, as you know, Holy Scripture does say, that this earth is not our home. And yet that can sound, again, so depressing for someone um, that's saying, okay, well, why not just get to the next life? But then we have to take it that step further and recognize, you know what, this earth is not my home. But for some reason, even if I don't understand it, God put me here on earth for a purpose. God allowed the suffering to happen for a reason. And until that purpose is fulfilled and shown to me, I cannot skip. I, I, I can't jump ship. I can't say, oh, well, I'm done. You know, I don't want any more of the struggle. I don't want any more of this journey. I don't want any more of God's plan for my life. I want to just get to the next thing. It doesn't work that way, does it? What, what I was saying at that point in my life and what anybody is saying at that point in their life is that I know more than God. And I don't want to be here anymore because let me let me say is if, if God had been done with me prior to that point of me trying to make that decision on my own, if God has has determined that he's done with you right now, if you're contemplating it yourself, then he'll he'll end it. He has the ability to do that. We all know that. So if if that hasn't happened, if you're still listening right now and I'm still sitting in this chair right now, then there has to be a reason why God wants me here. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that if our listeners are listening right now, they're still alive, then God still is working on them, period. God's still working on them and still wants to work through them. Yeah, and he wants to show himself to them, right, and love them and show them who they are and the plan he has for them and that they are bigger than the smallness that we tend to think about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think um, I think if you, if, if you were to, and, and even as I say this right now, I'm picturing, what if, what if it's the good works? You know, uh, sometimes you hear about these good works that we've been created to do. Um, so it's, it's God working through us to accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish. What if 15 years from now, there's something very specific that God wants you to do. 
Now, I, I personally believe that, that because of, of the nature of who God is, he's going to accomplish what he set out to accomplish, regardless of whether I choose to continue my life today or not. So your participation is not necessarily needed, although it is desired. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think that here's what we miss out on. First, here on earth, we miss out on being part of something bigger than ourselves while we are here on earth. Second, I think we miss out on something that we can't see here and now. And, you know, some people picture heaven with these, you know, gold-paved walkways and pearly white gates. And some people picture it with endless donuts and, you know, whatever that picture, whatever that picture <laughs> is. Yeah, crisp, it has to be, yeah, it has to be warm <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts in the South. <laughs> if you're up North, it's definitely Dunkin' Donuts by far. It's up definitely. North. Okay, so, but whatever that picture is. But, but I think that it, when we set all that stuff aside, um, I, there, there's something. There's some, something, whether it's rewards, and, and I'm careful as I say that, or, or whether it's even just being able to catch a glimpse of the life we lived here on earth while we're standing in the very presence of God, whatever that, whatever that is, I think we miss out on that, that eternal blessing. We miss out on that when we don't get to participate in the very thing that God created us to do here on earth. And so it's twofold. We don't get to participate here on earth and to be part of God's plan. And eternally, we don't get to reap the reward of having served a life pleasing to God the Father, which means that while we're here on earth, we're obedient to what he asked us to do, which means we have to recognize that what he's asking us to do here on earth is bigger than whatever it is we think we're here to do. Yeah, I get that. So Eric, I'm gonna ask you to uh, just backtrack just for a minute, right? Because I know you touched on it and it was kind of high level. So I'm gonna ask you just to kind of be vulnerable there and uh, if you're willing and share going back to that time in your life um, when all these thoughts of ending your life, um, they weren't just present, but you made them real, right? You took action upon them and uh, tried to end it. And how did you get to that place? How did you get out of that place? Take us back to that story and really share that with us, please. Yeah, so, I, and again, um, what, what I'm going to be careful to do, even as I say it, is I, is I always want to be careful not to put sin on any type of platform. Uh, I, I think to talk about it, um, to actually instead show the presence of God and the transformation of God, I think that's the important part. So even as I say that, if I pause, if I'm thinking through my words, it's for that very reason. I want to actually take captive the very thoughts and the very words that are coming out of my mouth and make sure they in and of themselves honor God versus honor the sin itself. Um, so I think you need to recognize, I mentioned 13 years old, um, you need to recognize prior to that for myself, um, I, I had been diagnosed uh, bipolar. Um, so growing up um, since as early as I can remember having racing thoughts through my head, um, thoughts going so fast through my head that um, they create anxiety. Um, and so you have those types of things going on. Um, was in an environment where I had finally sought help, um, brought it to my parents. They had brought me to counselors, psychiatrists, was heavily medicated. Um, so from a world perspective, I was doing the right things to try to get better um, and, and, and had a, a foundation of faith, although I, I you know, would say it wasn't a very solid foundation of faith. Um, but had a, had a basic knowledge, but not a deeper understanding. Um, and so I, you know, I hit a point, and, and I think maybe the other thing to put in context that's helpful, um, especially as you mentioned the friend that you had that has that very analytical mind, um, and I mentioned in the beginning is, is I, I do think very deep. Um, I have a very analytical mind myself, um, and, and I think that at times can get people like us in trouble because we think deeper and into things uh, I'd say more than we should but but obviously God created us this way so we think deeper and into things uh, without letting truth guide us in those thoughts and really that's where I was at that that point of being 13 years old is that I hit a point of recognition of saying you know what um, there is no point to this life um, you know, it's, it's kind of, and, and I'll use an analogy, uh, when I was in high school um, is when I recognized that a lot of the rules that most 
kids, teenagers in high school um, believe are real are really aren't real. They're created by our parents. They're real rules, but the repercussions are limited to none once once that illusion of control disappears and our parents are left with, okay, well, there's really nothing else that I can do other than call the police. Um, and, and a lot of parents aren't willing to do that. Um, so I think at 13 years old, I had recognized an illusion of, of control um, and, and really what that meant to me at that point in time, the mindset was this life does have nothing to offer me and there is no purpose to be here. There is nothing beyond the here and now. And so I'm willing to step off into the unknown. Uh, and that's hopelessness. It's everything that, that I've talked about before. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a much longer story to all that, but I think the most important part of all that is um, a story of redemption, and that was really God's plan for, for my life, just the same as God has a plan for everybody's life. Um, and, and that includes uh, an alarm clock. Uh, and you know whether you believe me as I say this or not, it doesn't really matter to me. I'll tell you what took place. That includes an alarm clock going off that was, was not set. I, I obviously didn't set an alarm clock to go off when I didn't plan on waking up. Uh, that includes an audible voice uh, in my father um, in my father's room, uh, the only time he uh, has ever heard what he would say is the voice of God, and most of us go through our entire life never hearing it, an audible voice waking him up. That includes him shutting off my alarm clock as he told me to get up out of bed, uh, and my alarm clock going off a second time as well. So there's a trail of events that took place um, that includes being carried on a stretcher and, and, and the, the emergency response team telling my father, you know what, hey, you, you can ride with us because chances are he's not going to make it. Uh, and that includes a full recovery, um, although people close to me might say I'm still a little bit off, but that's more of a joke than anything. Well, so am I, Eric. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think we all are. So, but, the, but the story is really one of redemption. Um, and, and what that really means is that uh, God can take anything, and he will take anything. Um, and he'll turn it and use it for his good and for his glory. And so he took really the, the, one of the, the rock bottom points of my life. And in turn, what he's done with that is he's given me a perspective that not many of us get to see. And, and that really goes all the way to the, really to the heart of what we're talking about right now. And that's the ability to realize that this life truly does have nothing to offer us. Um, but because of what I've been through, how I previously thought, and even the way that I still think now, but in a different light, is this life has nothing to offer us. And so because of that, and in light of that, I recognize that God's plan is bigger than anything that this world could offer me. And that this world uh, truly is broken. And that the only thing that's worth living for is God. That's hope. And the only thing that's worth actually putting my focus and my attention to are the very thing or things that God says for me to put my attention to. Now, as I say all that, yeah, and, and this, is, uh, this is an obvious one too, it's recognizing that I mess this up on a daily basis. Um, but what God's given me the ability to do through this, so what he's taken and used for his glory even to this point now is for me to be able to focus on the eternal. And when I do fall, and when I do mess up, and when I do put my attention on the wrong things, it's, it's very easy for him to bring me back to focusing on him and on the eternal because I've seen what it's like to not care at all about anything here on earth. Mm. Wow, thanks for sharing that, brother. Uh, you know, for me, what's showing up right now is this very thin line of balance or harmony between... Uh, this present life and the eternal life and what's also showing up for me is if i'm meant to focus or i can't resist focusing on the things of this world because they are tangible then at least let me do that through the filter of eternity so always having in the back of my mind that this thing in front of me my family, my wife, my kids, my job. Yeah, this is temporal. However, in light of eternity, this is part of God's plan for me. So let me show up in this. 
let me do this with excellence. Mm -hmm. Let me do this for God's glory, even though I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to go into work right now. I actually don't love what I do, right? But I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to give it to God. God, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go do it anyway, because obviously you're still growing my character, maybe, or my pain threshold or something, leading me to that specific thing maybe 10 years from now that you want me to do in this world. And so what do you think about that or or what shows up for you in that, Eric, as far as bringing them both together rather than um, keeping them separate and distinct from each other, the temporal life and the eternal life, how do they show up together for you? Yeah, I think... um... I think Paul, uh, St. Paul, um, I, I think he, he says it best, and, and, and I think he brings it up several times uh, through his letters, but uh, one of the things that comes to mind for me with him is as he's looking at, and, and I think of, of, um, of many people in, in the New Testament, he probably uh, sees things beyond what most of us could ever even fathom. Um, and, and what Paul says, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but what Paul says is he says, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be uh, at home with the Lord. Uh, and, and even to some extent, he's saying at one point, um, I finished the race. I'm ready to move on. But, but as at least I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then he even recognizes himself. He says to himself, but if I'm the choose between moving on and staying here on earth, so he's bridging that gap himself. He's saying, I'm going to stay here because I know that there's work for me to do here. And so um, as, as I might struggle through at different points in my marriage, things with my wife, as I, um, as I might struggle through different things with employees at work, with peers at work, um, with investors, I mean, whatever that is, um, I think there's a recognition that we're in the middle of those situations for a reason. Now, some of them may be that we need to allow God to work through us because he wants to accomplish something through us that has nothing to do with us. Some of it might be because God wants to make us holy because he's holy. And so the very reason or the very situation that he has us in, he has us there because he wants to refine us. So I, I think to bridge that gap between the temporal um, and the eternal, I think we need to recognize that uh, God is using the temporal to prepare us for the eternal. And I think we also need to recognize that the temporal right now, the situations and the things that we're involved in, um, are far more um, are more far-reaching is probably a better way that I can say it uh, than we can even imagine. And for us, it's, it's more a matter of humility and obedience to, to why the Lord has us here uh, versus uh, stepping out and just doing things because we want to do them on our own. Yeah. And you know what's showing up for me right now, Eric, is that, and I'm going to give some tough love here, right, uh, to both myself, to you, to, to our audience. And that is, at least for me, I know that in my life when I was in my darkest point of despair and hopelessness. I really get that, right? Because I lived that as well. It, it never got to the point of wanting to take my life um, because I did grow up in that, that faith and I knew that I didn't have that right um, to take or to claim my eternity. However, uh, feeling that darkness, feeling uh, that despair and man, my life just sucks. What is this all about? I, I get all that. And, and I, this is what's showing up is that I was very much at those times in my life in that real brokenness, that real separation. I was one, separated from God in those moments. And number two, I was focused on Joseph. My focus was on myself. And when I looked at myself and I saw what I didn't have or what I didn't feel, that's where all those thoughts became real, those deep, dark thoughts. And now when I look at my life and I'm close to the Lord in relationship with him and I'm focused on others rather than Joseph, those thoughts have really dissipated. They've really weakened. They lose their power. 
and and I become powerful in God's power and I'm able to serve others. So I just put that out there for our audience is that if you're feeling all those things right now, the chances are that you're focused on the wrong person. You're focused on yourself. And not that that's bad, that's just human, right? So it's not right, it's not wrong, it just is. However, it's not working. And really get to that point of saying, hey, this isn't working. I'm focused on me and what I don't have or what I want and, and, and all these things. And it's just very self-centered. And if we focus on God and we make our life more God-centered and other-centered, it's that's where the transition can happen. I know that's where it happened for me. Can you resonate with that as well, Eric? Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. Um, and I think that's well said. Um, I think... And, and really something that I think is important to bring up at this point um, is, is if, if anybody listening now uh, is struggling with depression, um, if anyone right now that's listening is contemplating suicide, um, you need to reach out. And it's, it's the first step in humility. You need to reach out and get help. Um, we are created to be in a relationship with other human beings. Now, what I want to make sure that you recognize in that and that we recognize in that is surrounding yourself or at least having one person who is walking with the Lord. And, and, and you know, that term, I think, can often be overused, but somebody who uh, is living their life... Um, according to the truth of who God is and the transformation that God's capable of, um, having a person or people like that around you is going to be extremely important. So that first step, um, if, if it's a matter of through your church, whether it's a, whether it's a priest, uh, whether it's a pastor, um, making that first step, um, whether it's a mental health professional, and again, I'll caution, make sure that their foundation is in your shared faith what if I don't have faith right now? If you don't have faith right now, uh, the same step applies. You need to reach out to somebody, friend, family member, mental health professional. Um, and you need to let them know where you're at. Make sure it's somebody that you, you can trust, um, which I recognize in this moment right now, trust might be a very difficult thing. Um, but you need to reach out to somebody because you, you need you need people that are around you now to take it that step further. So right now, if you don't have faith, um, then I'd actually ask right now that that you would you would approach that. Um, and it doesn't mean it with the snap of a fingers that that's going to be um, resolved and you're going to feel better. Um, but I would like you to first recognize that uh, we all, every one of us, every human being, um, suffers from that word that nobody likes to talk about because it's so heavy, but suffers from sin. We're all broken. Um, and, and the first step is a recognition of that. Um, the, the second piece is to recognize that there is uh, a God who is complete, who is holy, who is good and who wants good things for us and who wants good things for you. And so in that, um, and, it, and it may just seem like foolishness, but I would, I would ask you to step into that foolishness even just for a minute or two minutes is to, is to ask that God that, that perhaps you don't believe in, but to ask that God to show himself to you. Um, Yes, I'm just going to jump in right there. It's like if you're listening right now and this is touching a part of you that maybe you've never gone there or it scares you. You know, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now that says <clears throat> behind your greatest fear lies your greatest passion. And uh, sometimes, you know, we're, we're really scared to go into the dark parts of ourselves and to face that. Uh, the good news is that you don't have to do it alone, which is what Eric's saying right now. And you can literally, as you're listening to our words, um, just kind of sit there on your bed, um, 
fall to your knees, whatever you prefer, and just look up, look vertical, and say, God, if you're real, uh, I need you. Show, show me uh, that you're real. Put the people around me to help me out of this. Um, I don't want to end my life, but I feel it's the only option right now. You know, give me another option. And he will. He will, because God is hope itself. And he will bring that light into the darkness if you ask for it, but you must ask for it. So with that, we're going to, uh, Eric, we're about to enter the confession round. Okay, so this is um, just something that we do. Um, we're going to lighten it up a little bit, right? And uh, I really appreciate you, Eric, kind of going there and being vulnerable with our audience, with our listeners, with myself, um, and just sharing, you know, something that is real to you and, uh, you know, that you wrestled with or, or still wrestle with. And uh, that really connects. So... The confession round, I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions and you'll have about three seconds to answer each. Are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. Okay. So first thing that comes to you, no analytical overthinking. Fair <laughs> enough? We can try. <laughs> Here we go. All right. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? Um, I get to stay up late. What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? I have to wake up early. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? I actually don't know. I, I'm trying to think of one right now. That's that's a good question. It's not really a three-second question for me, though. <laughs> See that? He's, he's overanalyzing. I did. I just I overanalyzed that one. It's gone. You're going to have to ask me tomorrow. I'm okay, sorry. No worries. Uh, if you could be anyone for the next seven days, like just switch places, who would you trade places with uh, for seven days? Anyone in the world, just for fun. I think it would be my seven-month-old daughter. Whoa, to see life through her eyes. I just, I mean, just, really it, seem, it seems like the life. I mean, someone feeds me, they bathe me. I mean, I just get to nap whenever I want to nap. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a whole new respect for being a baby at this point. Except you would have your mind and your insight and your wisdom. So you'd yeah. have like an adult mind, yeah. like you'd be in a baby body kind yeah. of like going, ooh, yeah. life just got easy. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what do you wish you were better at? Answering questions in three seconds, that comes to mind right away. <laughs> Anything else? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, I'd, I'd love to be better at um, uh, building and running uh, organizations, businesses. Got it. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Huh. Good question. Mm. What dream am I scared of pursuing? Three seconds. Um, Maybe a childhood dream. Yeah, I've always wanted to be Batman. Um, Batman. Did yeah, I've always Batman? I've always wanted to be Batman, and I just have this fear that it's not going to work out if I put my efforts that direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like you're matched up with reality there. So, what makes <laughs> what makes you smile more than anything right now? My family. Awesome. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I see some pattern there. <laughs> if you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would it be? Hmm. That is a, that is a very deep question. That's a very deep question. Um, Hunger. Hunger. Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are, standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. It has my name. Good. It has when I was born. Good. It has when I died. That's it? That's it. Anything else? No. There's no There's no slogans. There's no he lived, blah, blah, blah. There's none of that. No smiley face emoticon? Nothing. 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 Got it. No picture of Batman. Nothing. No Batman wings. Nothing. nothing. Oh, I was thinking maybe that yeah. the light emblem. The emblem, yeah. yeah. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Well done. Well done. And last question, Eric. If you could come back to life and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Um, I would point to Holy Scripture, to God's God's Word, and um, and tell them it's it's real and it's true. Got it, Eric. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? 
Um, email. Okay. Would you like to share? No? Okay. <laughs> no worries. You guys can go yeah, through Best me. way will be through Joseph. There you go. All right, Eric, thanks for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with Him, and I'll see you on the next show.